Sentire Media There we go. Good morning, podcast listeners. There we go. We're firing up the mics for another one. We are the 8th of November this morning. A beautiful Wednesday. Yes. Beautiful Wednesday morning. A little bit of fog. Sun's coming out. It is 740 in the AM and you have very wisely downloaded the podcast from Italy. Thank you so much for joining. I'm Jason. Ashley. Ciao. Tutti. Good morning. We are in a chipper mood. We were up early. We've been up for several hours, and that is because today is officially the first day of the off-season. We woke up to no guests, no breakfast to be made. Ten years in, and we closed off another great season, so it feels good. And we had a great group to end it off of um, truffle hunting. Should I just jump right on in? Sure. Of a truffle hunting weekend, and we did truffle hunting two ways into the woods. And first of all, I should um, preface this by saying it's a terrible year for truffles. So everywhere we went, every even when I tried to make the appointments with the truffle hunters, they all wanted to make sure that we knew. Oh, it's not a good year. And well, I, we'll said, get, I know. Let's get into that more later. Oh, okay. So should I just jump ahead to the? Well, th- oh, that's what I was going to start talking about. Oh, you were going that far ahead. Okay, <laughs> hold on. Let's back it all up right. a little. <laughs> Together we own, operate, live at La Tavola Marque, an agriturismo and cooking school here in Piobico, the heart of central Italy. Well, is it the heart of central Italy? I don't know. But we'll call it the heart of central Italy for this morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say it was. Oh, yeah, why not? Um, last guests left yesterday. We spent yesterday cleaning up. Just kind of putting away the rooms, uh, we you know putting the covers on the mattresses, um, shutting off the waters. Uh, yeah, getting all the extra sundries. All the rooms have uh, little kitchens, so olive oil, salt, pepper, coffee, all of that stuff. Time to get it out and um, shut her down. Shut her down. Shut off all the all the heat. Shut off the water into. Uh, shut off the gas into the. You know the, all the closing up stuff, making it sure that we cannot have anyone else. Yeah, it stay. makes it finite. All right, <laughs> done. Done. It's not like oh well. Yeah. This last minute booking came in. I guess we could put them in. No. No. <laughs> we get Jason before breakfast was even served. Had the tables broken down outside, and it was. Um, it is. It's definitely the house is getting closed up. Just a few more kind of touches to do. Ooh, we're working on that stove still. Um, okay, so now let's go into All right, I know. Days. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start talking about that. Uh, with the shutting of the house down, we talk about this every winter, it, there's a lot that's involved. Not only just closing down the rooms and the gas, like he said, but all of the outside furniture, getting all the pots and um, flowers and things consolidated and cleaned up and put back together winterizing the redoing the doors and things like it's time to put the new winter strips on the bottom of the doors um an old beautiful stone farmhouse is very uh, romantic of an idea but it is drafty yeah. <laughs> it'll it, we, we do our best every year mm-hmm. but it, it's ne- you're gonna trying to seal airtight a big stone farmhouse is never gonna happen so we do our best it's just a question of how ghetto do we want it to look? How mm-hmm. much plastic do we want all over the place? We're going to class it up this year. We're going to take it up a notch. We're going to try to get rid of some of the uh, butcher uh, locker plastic feel and um, use some plywood. And I'm, we're going to paint it to make it Absolutely. fancy. <laughs> use that to plug the, uh, the one of the big arches and the, the doorway going up to the stairs to kind of hold the heat well. And uh, we've talked about the... 
oven. What do you call it? What's the stufa that you were putting in the um, fireplace? A wood-burning stove. A wood-burning stove. And that is still being worked on. Yeah, we'll get that. That comes that comes in today. The uh, the kind of the um, what is it called? The connections for the, getting it into the chimney and up the up the chimney is all set and in and ready to go. And we just have to figure out a way to get it in here, which uh, we talked about last podcast. Um, how are we going to get this big heavy stufa? Because I don't have people to help me. No, and thank you to all the people who wrote in with your ideas, your links, suggestions. It's great. It's also hysterical because anyone over 65 uh, who comes to the house is really curious about it. It has to stick their head up the fireplace. They have their two cents on how to either get it in or about the tube that goes up and the blocking of the smoke. And everyone who pops over 65 and up is very curious. So real quick, I couldn't find a um, a um, motor, motor um, lift, like for car engine motors. The mechanic in town didn't have one. Um, Fushiani has one of those hydraulic fork, uh, hand forklift things, but that only gets, you know, um, 20 centimeters off the ground. It doesn't lift it up. We need to go up 35. So that doesn't do me any good either. I think we're just going to go old school with the, uh, pulleys and the blocks and, and that kind of thing. And, and just we'll, we'll make it happen. Our Dutch neighbor is very, uh, Oh my God! Stoked he wanted, on this he idea. wanted to build this whole contraption, and it's like, oh my God, what a mountain for a molehill! Seriously, but um, we'll figure we'll figure it out. It's going in one way or the other mm-hmm. today. Today, it's starting to get cold. What else with the winterizing? Um, redo the uh, the uh, strips around the doors and the windows. Um, yeah, Ashley talked about putting in plywood instead of the plastic sheeting. So you know, just to make it, you could we could always staple on fabric to plywood or, or something to make it look a little classier. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to paint it. I'm oh going to do a, an outdoor design. Like, it is going to look like Mrs. Mrs., <laughs> Mrs. Kendall's first grade class. Yeah, it is. And I'm going to be really proud of it too. Oh my gosh. And we, a uh, little update, still no wood delivery. Oh my God, the no wood delivery. I mean, it's still nice out. That's the crappy part of it, but it's not going to be nice forever. And it's a hundred, a uh, hundred, let's see, 10,000 kilos of wood does not stack, cut and stack itself easily so i would like to have this here however there's a ton of other projects going on so you could always since it's just us i could always throw a big thing a a big tarp over a wood pile and piano piano but still i just don't want to look (laughs) at it every day no um the kitchen renovations are coming along we are we are we have measured twice and now it's time to start buying so today i will call up and buy the stove and oven um we will go this week sometime to the um uh luke our neighbor mentioned another store um towards the coast where you can get a lot of building supplies and people help you and blah 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 so, and people help you yeah, no one helps <laughs> you around here so um we'll try that one out and i this well it's part of it is that it, some people will help you but they don't have what you're looking exactly for. So, so it's, it's going to a bigger place that has a more selection or more specific to what I do the same thing in the kitchen. I have to go to the butcher and I have to go to the, the, uh, I have to go to the butcher and the guy who makes the cheese and Fushiani to get the prosciuttos and the fish guy to get the fish and the veg, uh, fruit of vendolo. So you have to piecemeal the final project together, which is cool in the kitchen. Cause I know what I'm doing. However, when it comes to these home improvement things, I have no idea what I'm doing. We've talked about this before, but there ain't no home depot. No. <laughs> So One this, stop shop. So this place called Coast Coastally. Coastally? I think so. Um, I think Fermignano, Frasambrone, whatever. Um, it's a uh, that's where Luke goes, and it's more of a. 
bigger, bigger place for uh, building supplies. And there's a lot of people to help you. So you can get everything there and they can sh- tell you exactly how you're supposed to put this up or prepare the wall or whatever. So one of our favorite weird things is to pop into hardware stores when we're traveling around, not only Italy, but other countries as well. Hardware stores in Europe are really cool. <laughs> German hardware stores mm-hmm. are great. They have beautiful tools. Uh, Italian hardware stores are interesting because depending on what the area is known for, for uh, instance, mm-hmm. you pop into any hardware store here and they'll have everything for making uh, sausages and wines and cheese and all this weird stuff where you're like, oh my god, look at all these this weird specialized equipment. But yeah, it's just a but not like a very wide selection of light bulbs or you know. You're thinking I went to the hardware store. <laughs> no, exactly. So that's that's a little that's a little bit interesting. We're gonna do Christmas. We're gonna do uh, Christmas this year. I want a Christmas tree because. Um, we're going to be home. We're going to be home this year. We're not going anywhere. We're doing the kitchen, so no traveling this winter, I don't think. If we do, it'll just be inter- Italian travel and just, you know, jump in the car and go somewhere for a couple of days. Um, so I went to uh, a month, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I mm-hmm. went to the Vivaio or the, nur- the um, nursery. nursery to uh, ask about a Christmas tree. I wanted a very specific one. I wanted a noble fir. And um, because, of course, they have pine trees, but I want a noble fir. I want a, you know, traditional... like. Seven foot. Yeah, I want a two and a half meter noble fur. And the guy looks at me like, what the hell? You Okay, so of course you bring the Latin name because they don't call it noble fur. And I have no idea how to say a noble fur. Or, so the Latin name will never go wrong. So he looks it up in the book. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, we can get you. Ooh, very expensive. Very expensive. And I go, what's, what's very expensive? Because we've been told very expensive before. And we're like, well, what does that mean? It's, oh, this is 45 euro. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's not very expensive. <laughs> For your medical bills. <laughs> <laughs> that's not very expensive. Well, this was very expensive. This was like three or 400 euros for a two and a half meter uh, noble fur. And the problem is it, it's live. Like they don't cut down. They don't, there's, they, you can find a cut Christmas tree around a little pine tree, but it's, it's going to be rinky dink for what you're thinking. It's Charlie Brown Christmas uh-huh. is what it is. So if you want a real one, you got to get it li- you get it a live tree and then you plant it afterwards. However, when you're talking about a two and a half meter tree, the pot that it comes in is the a meter. The root ball. The root ball. Is, <laughs> the pot that it comes in is a meter 20. Okay. So now let's add a meter 20 onto two and a half meters and it does not fit and it, it has to be delivered by truck. Or I can horrify everyone when we go to the, I just bring a chainsaw to the nursery and just cut it at the base of the tree and watch their mouths drop to the floor as I just ruined this beautiful two and a half meter. Yeah, you killed tree. it. Yeah, I killed it. Thanks. Killed it. Like, here's, here's uh, you guys keep 500 bucks. Here, here's here's your 400 euros. I'll just take the tree. You guys can keep this pot. Um, oh my god, so I can you imagine? No, we'll not, we cannot do that. So we will not be, um, I guess that's what you do every, if you think about it, that's what happens every year when you buy a two and a half, uh, seven foot Christmas. It is You're a right. tree tree. It can, right. If you dig it up, it's got a big old root ball. Um, so we've been scoping out the back roads. We've been spo- scoping out the trees behind our house. <laughs> we might have a very beautiful juniper bush as our Christmas yes. tree this year. Yes. <laughs> a little prickly, but uh, smell good nonetheless. So we're trying to be creative. We'll figure out something. But it's one of those funny things where, yeah, they just don't have the same tradition of um, the big Christmas tree in the house. God, she uses like some... Um, what are those plastic tinsely kind of ones that change color? Um, it's, yeah, it's so like a, a little LED. tabletop LED one. And he's always like, what's wrong with that? And I don't know. 
I don't really want. I don't want to get a fake tree. No, I love the smell. Oh well, that's the thing. If we want yeah. a fake tree, it's no problem. I just mm-hmm. don't want a fake tree. I know. Or should, maybe we might just break. Well, it's the thing. Do you want? Is it form over like? Do you want it to look good or do you want it? to... Well, that's the thing. That it's is not going to look good no. if we go and cut it down in the backyard. No, we're going to have to make in the that... backyard in the hills behind the house. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the hills behind the house, we'll get uh, truffle hunting. Ashley brought it up at the beginning, but mm-hmm. truffles have um, – they are 6,000 – 5,000? 6,000 euros for the white truffle a kilo this year. So, five years ago, it was 5,000 euros. Ten years ago, they were 4,500 euro a kilo. And this is coming from Coldoretti, the farmer's union. And so this year is just – the most expensive in the 10 years we've been here. That's for sure. And it's different every year, supply and demand. If, if it's really wet, we, we had, um, I don't know, three, four years ago now, we had a really wet yeah. the year. The pumpkins did really well. Yeah. And truffles were ever, I mean, truffles were everywhere. They were cheap and well, cheap relatively. And, um, just being, they were floating around like everyone had, it yeah, seemed like it, everyone so had truffles. So for example, at these truffle festivals, so we took the guests, um, when, when it's a good year, then you, if you go truffle hunting, they're just giving you whatever you find. You go to the truffle festivals, and the samples are overflowing with um, the different kind of truffle products. And um, the booths with the dinners, uh, the little cantinas and everything with the pasta and the truffle dinners that you can order, they're just covered in truffles. And it's just abundanza. <laughs> this, <laughs> this year, not so much. So as I was getting like ready to gung-ho say... The, um, the, we did find the first truffle hunting um, experience we took the guests on was to go wild and go out into the woods um, here in our valley. And uh, we did find a black truffle, shockingly, in the family's front yard. They said it was an old, old garden, and sometimes you can find them in the front yard. And sure enough, we found a little black one. We went deep, deep into the hills here, and nothing over the rivers, up the gorges, over the, um, like through the sweeping valleys and just nothing. So we returned, we had some nice Prosecco and whatnot, and the ladies enjoyed the company of the truffle hunters because they were quite handsome gentlemen. So fun was had nonetheless, but no truffles. Then the next day we went to our friend Roberto's at Calicozzo, who has a farm with cultivated, he's created cultivated truffles in the sense of, um, I don't know, it had to have been 12, 15 years ago because this garden was 10 years old. Um, so yeah, I mean, probably 10 years ago, there was some sort of government incentive, I think, to do this. And uh, he's planted different gardens based on different truffles and gardens uh, meaning Orchards, I should say, of different types of trees and bushes that help um, our. Thank you. (laughs) Propagate these. And um, incredibly, on his property, we found two beautiful white truffles. Again, we were not offered them. In years past, if it was the the good years, those two little truffles he would have just gifted us or we would have just shaved them over the um, pasta or eggs right there. And the same with the little black one we found that would have just been like, take it. Uh, they all put them in their little fanny pack pouches. And never to be talked about. Never to be talked about again. It was so funny. And uh, we went to the truffle festival as well. It was a great time. But um, 
some music fun, tons of the truffles that were, I was, who knows where they were coming in from because they sure weren't from here or they were getting old, but, um, it was still a good time. And everyone, I liked that everyone was just really open and honest about this is not a good year. It's not a year to do it. It's not a year to buy them. It's not a year to eat them. It's just, it's not the truffle year, 2017. What are you, what are you going to do? do? We didn't, and that's because of the dryness. We didn't get the rain we needed throughout. Alba Alba didn't get the wet, the, the water either. Nope. We needed it by mid-August um, to really help the season, and it just didn't happen. We had a boom of mushrooms for like two weeks, and that was about it. And all of it's done. Our road is quiet again. <laughs> yeah, in the morning, there's the, um, not a lot of hunters this, this year. Um, the, it was for like two weeks straight, yeah. and then just quiet. Mushroom hunters have petered out because there's literally no more mushrooms. The truffle hunters, not so many, and the, just the regular hunters – um, boar hunting season opened, and there were a bunch of squads around this last weekend. Someone was poaching last night. Yeah, someone was driving <laughs> up and down the road at like 11.30 with a loud-ass old car <laughs> shining a spotlight into the hill. I was like, what's going on? Jason, it was like, is that a helicopter? I thought, I don't think so. And he went to look and sure didn't see the spotlight flashing across the uh, fields. And it was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, so probably some guy drunk in his seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, season c- came to an end and, uh, this gives us more time to work on our citizenship. Oh, the ongoing saga. Oh, so Jesus. this, um, we started, we were eligible to apply for our citizenship in June, which we began the process. And here we are in November. <laughs> we're not that much further down the road. No, we're not. <laughs> We are, however, much lighter in the pocket. <laughs> yes. Um, we, it's just, it, it is what it is. I would assume that our troubles with immigration are no different than anyone else's story in all of the world because immigration stinks. It's just a terrible thing. Well, and we're dealing with a first-generation um, uh, technology for Italians of doing this web portal. So. <laughs> So normally for our immigration, we fill out these big packets. We've talked about this many times mm-hmm. before. We fill out these big packets, and you give you take them to the post office. You pay the the fee, and they send them to Rome, and then you get a letter, and you go up to the police station. Blah blah blah. blah, blah. And the packet is um, completely self-contained. So anything you need to fill out is going to be in there. Anything that you need to include is going to be listed in the instructions. Uh, the instructions are really well detailed, so you can just work right. Very through. well detailed. Yeah, <laughs> there's a whole nother. There's like three booklets of instructions but i always buy not buy grab an extra copy because i know i'm gonna make a mistake filling it out at least once but um it's all self-contained you've got it all right there and it for some reason it feels more tangible the web portal is a nightmare and jason has taken it over this year i've done the immigration every year and filled out our packets with my nice handwriting and he said i'll do it and this is a web por- – this is like a – you would think we've gone back to the mid-90s. It is, it's like a DOS system. It like, is bad. Oh, my um, God. Anyway, um, so I filled it all out. I got the oh, – I got our FBI um, criminal background check, and that took forever and a day to get – that took like four months of work to get it here. Uh, then sending it back to the states to get it apostilled and then back here. So good God. Um so I submit all the paperwork, the packet, and then we get an email back that, yes, we are pre... Wait, you've been checking every day. I've been checking every day. <laughs> I, um, it took about a month and a half, and we finally get an email back saying, within 24 hours, you will have an email on this web portal. Well, 
it took exactly 24 hours for this damn email to show up. And what does it say? That we are provisionally um, approved. Our, our request is provisionally approved. I don't know what that means. But um, it says that we had to get two more documents translated. The, the um, FBI report and our um, birth, certificate? birth certificates. Even though last time we didn't have to get our birth certificate translated. Okay, whatever. Well, these two documents are not very difficult. It's a birth certificate and an FBI report that basically says just my name and address. You have no criminal history. And so I I was like, oh, I'll just translate it. It's not that difficult. So I translated it, attached it, sent it back in. They send it back. Another week goes by. They send me an email and says, no, we need this um, legally and certified translation and stamped. I go, okay, what does that mean? So I start doing some research. Well, what that means is I have to take this, which I've already done, these documents to a certified legalized translator who translates them, stamps them like um, you're like a, a notary. No- notary, and then files them with the courts. Oh, my God. Well, you say, okay, what's that <laughs> big deal? Well, <laughs> once you start filing things with the state, we talked about the Marco de Bolos, the uh, the sixteen uh, euro tax. Tax. Well, yeah, each each thing needs that, but then you have to file court fees. Oh my God, these two pieces of paper! I have a thousand euros in with these two pieces of papers, and, and this is not document like a written text in a sense like it's we're just saying it's a birth certificate it's not a lot of it's not paragraphs and paragraphs or start of a business plan or something so the stupid translation for my birth certificate my um fbi criminal report and ash the same for ashley's is very nominal it's like 80 or 90 euros to translate everything it's like all right that's not that's not a huge the fees for filing and the tax stamps <laughs> come out to 250 euros. Nice. TIA, this is Italy. <laughs> so by the time it's all said and done, it's, this is expensive. Like I didn't, re- I knew it wasn't going to be free to get your, like to apply for citizenships, but I didn't realize I'm getting nickeled and dimed every time I turn around. It's starting to add up and it we is, still don't know what's next. Like we I are, feel we, like we don't, still this is could the be... beginning of the process. So I'm sure that once this hurdle, I mean, I'm just ready for it. I mean, I'm not freaking out because I know this is how it's going to go, but. Oh, and don't forget. As they're processing this and have the three years to get back to us with our immigration, come next summer, we need to renew our Permeso de Sojourno oh, and do yeah. the packet again for another 250-something bucks a person. This has <laughs> nothing to do – this is for citizenship. So, yeah, like Ashley said, while we're, while we're waiting for this, if our permission to stay, if our um, – uh, green cards, if mm-hmm. you will, um, when come when they come up next fall, we have to do that again. <laughs> Holy crap! I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I thought that's a fun one to add to it. So does that, which <laughs> just gets more expensive. And it's just, uh, I can't believe how much how important. I'm sitting there with this envelope of these documents sitting next to me, driving up to Urbino to drop them off, and I'm I'm just thinking, holy crap! How much time and money is invested in these documents? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put even more money into them. And that we had to get this stuff done when originally when we moved out here too. So we had to request them and order them to originally. But we had ha- to get them all postilled in the States originally. Well, our original FBI one is, is Oh, the original. I mean the birth certificate. Um, yeah, but the birth certificate never – they never asked us – that we had to get it out postilled. Mm-hmm. We did not have to get it translated. No. 
Oh my god. Registered gosh. with the courts though. I can understand you having to go to a registered translator. Exactly. I understand that too. I don't know what the courts I don't know. I don't know why they have to ha- be evidence. legalized with the courts. It's evidence. <laughs> so the never ending immigration continues. We'll keep you guys posted. I I know that some of you guys find it uh fascinating. <laughs> oh, it's fascinating, all right. <laughs> What else? Oh, gosh. Well, you also this last week had to go to another funeral. Oh, yes. Um, interesting um, interesting experience at God, uh, La Rosana, Gaji's wife, her sister passed away. And she was had health problems for a long time. And I think it was – it wasn't a somber – she was – she was no. It's almost that kind of like that poor thing where you're like, it's time and and yeah. let, put, let's let her go. Let's let her go and be at rest. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a very somber. Um, it was sad, but it wasn't somber. Mm-hmm. She wasn't taken immediately. Yeah. Um, it was in Chita di Castello at a. If this isn't morbid, Italians love um, cemeteries. Yeah, they love them, and it's because they're gorgeous. Mm. Like, Italian cemeteries are beautiful the, isn't it weird the stonework and the flowers and the and names the, and the names and the, the the mausoleums and the the um big huge cypress trees and the wall i mean it's really pretty in there, <laughs> inside of there um it's incredible i it's eerie too i don't really no you, this is not something jason digs no all. i don't dig it but i know rosana loves to go visit big famous cemeteries and i never we went to the one in rome that mm-hmm. really old one but that felt more like a park than i mean yes <laughs> but when the people are from the 14 and 1500s true, you don't true. feel it's more as like weird this as when thing. you see mm-hmm. the little kids who died in the 80s and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff you know what i mean um whoa thanks for bringing that up <laughs> well that's uh, <laughs> there's a lot of that. I, I know. There was a lot. There was also a lot of longevity. When you look at some, a lot of great photos too, like of this, of a lot of um, people who just lived into their late 90s, and you're like, like the guy on top of his tractor at 92 <laughs> years. You know, they at 92 years old. I love it. Um, but one thing I always find curious about Italian funerals, and of course it was during mass, is that the lack, the spectrum of attire. From all the way from, um, for instance, Gaji was in a suit with a wool long coat because it was, it was, you know, what you would expect an old Italian guy to look like with the hat and the, the suit and the mm-hmm. coat and the whole thing. Rosanna was dressed up in, 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 with all her glitz and, and her hair done up and, and her, she had a, a very, you know, Italian lady-like suit on as well. Um, I, I, wore, I looked. I wore dark pants and nice shoes and, a, smart. and a dark. I, I worked. I looked smart. I did not wear a suit because I knew a, a suit is over the top for these things. Um, the rest of everyone, it ran the gamut. I swear to God, there were people with ripped jeans. Um, there were people with leggings. Um, lots of bedazzled, whether it was bedazzled jeans or bedazzled purses or bedazzled shoes, but overall a lack of formality. Um, and of course, there's a divide, like. I would say 50 and over looks like the traditional Mm -hmm. Italian guy. They always look good. Mm -hmm. Italian old men look great. They do. They just dress smart and sharp, and it's a great look. Under 50, it starts – and the women especially. There was two women with stiletto heels. Um, The priest wore big bag. Oh, my God. The priest was a younger guy. He looked a little hippie-ish. Under his frock, was that what you would call it? Sure. Not a frock. What do you call it? 
just let's go. Okay. I can't remember either. <laughs> 12 like, years of Catholic education, everyone, from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. So that is her whole entire, her whole entire schooling of, you know, up until university in cat in parochial school. Yes. What is the name of the the thing that the priest wears that's like the cloak over his I dress. think you're right with the frock, but for some reason, the when you said it, it sounded funny. I thought it's defrocked. That means they take away your little collar, right? Yeah. So the frock is the collar? <sighs> Keep... 12 years before school. <laughs> Just silence. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Adel. Thanks, thanks, Fletcher. He's got his purple cloak, uh, cloak on over his <laughs> purple cloak, because they're in purple now, um, and the priests wear purple at this time of year, and underneath, it's just like a t-shirt super duper baggy jeans and Birkenstocks. And the weirdest part was, is the cloak stops at mid shin. So all you see is the end of the baggy ripped frayed ends of the disgusting jeans and his feet. And I'm sitting at his nine o'clock. So I'm sitting on the side and, and all I can do is stare at his feet, the entire thing. And I just thought, this is so inappropriate. So inappropriate. Why can't you wear some freaking shoes? Did God, you mention it? No, I don't think that um, anyone... I don't know. It's just really... I don't know. And I didn't mention it to him. It sounds very Seattle. It did remind <laughs> me of something very like, like um, hey, man, we're just wearing... Uh, it doesn't matter, man. I'm, no. I'm praying to God, man. Mm-hmm. Um, keeps me closer. All the nuns in the... There was two nuns there. They wore their traditional white thing and with their with their nunny shoes like, uh-huh. like, <laughs> their nunny shoes but it was just it's just very interesting the the italians who do like to look smart and dress up in certain situations who respect la bella figura who respect the beautiful figure do not dress up necessarily or do not look smart at wedding at funerals mm-hmm. in, in general mm-hmm. the kids forget about it. the kids all look like kids like converse shoes and tight jeans and puffy coats and it's like jeez <laughs> well i figured how many puffy coats were there oh, it's everyone starting the, to get cold yeah, it's like puffy, puffy coat season is out uh so very interesting to me i just thought that there'd be a little bit more formality for a um a funeral at a giant at a giant cemetery for mass. Mm-hmm. That's all. No, we should get used to it. It's definitely, it's not. Well, also, Chita di Castello is a bigger city. So we, at the funerals we've gone to here in Piobico or along our road. It's a farming It's not, yeah. it's a farming community. So you're not that surprised. And some of them just got away from literally the farm to come to the funeral and are going back to work afterwards. So we've come to expect that. But then Chita di Castello is in Umbria. It's a bit bigger. It seems more prestigious. I don't know. It's the, it's. It's a big city. Like, you would think they would, I don't know, dress up a little bit. Oh, two other things that shocked me. One, um, she died on a Thursday night. Saturday morning was the, like, Thursday late night. Saturday morning was the funeral. They don't mess around. No, wrap it up. Let's get this party started. And you said, I didn't see this at the last funeral I was at. You said they sealed the coffin. Oh, my goodness. This is another one. And it's like, whoa, this is closure. They don't mess (laughs) around when they talk about closure. So we have the mass and the coffins at the mass, and the mass was beautiful, and every, they do the communion and everything, and they take the kettle of incense. What's the thing that they... The incense. Yeah, what's the thing that they hold, hold the incense. incense in? I know, but what's that little urn? Mm, not sure. Okay. Um, there is an f- official name I'm for it. I'm sure there is. There's a names for all this yes. stuff. <laughs> um, they do the urn over the thing, and they, he, the um, priest said the beautiful... Um, 
mass with her name all the way through it and everything. Um, then we walk as a procession because the the uh, church is inside of the cemetery. It's not that far. We walk as a procession with the casket to her spot. And um, in Italy, they have those rows and rows of like... <laughs> How do you describe this? Like the mausoleum? But hers wasn't a mausoleum. There were mausoleums. But I thought a mausoleum is like a big done-up thing where all of the same families in one structure. I kind of thought so, too. In okay. A sense. This, but this is like the, um, I hate to say it, like the. Lockers. No. I was going to say, like your um, mailboxes and co. Yes, where it's, it's like, like your a head. box. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my, my comment is no good. But you call, you're commenting of P.O. boxes is fine. <laughs> It well, looks like a New York City. Like. It's true. There's three high, and there's spots, and each person can have their own little plaque and everything, but they're in rows, um, in these rows, and three people high, and you walk over to that spot. There's Wait, before a, you say that, you, um, the wax seal. Oh, yes. The coffin had two beautiful pressed, if you ever get an old-timey letter with the wax seal on closing it, two beautiful giant wax seals at either end sealing the coffin. Which I've never seen that. I, I, when everyone walks past the coffin and touches it, I touched it and looked at the seal. It was gorgeous. It was huge. You know, you always see them and they're like a quarter. They're yeah. the size of a coin, yeah. a small coin. How big was this? A plate? Like a giant cookie. Like oh, huge. that's so cool. Like think of the um, um, Jodenkuchen, the, mm-hmm. the big one, the uh, big flat, like a like um, saucer, almost mm-hmm. a saucer size. And um, the detail was it was just pretty. I don't. You know. You said it was stamped Chita di Castello. Something. It's a Chita di Castello, something, something. You know, and everything in Latin and the seal. And that everything. is uh, that's classy. So we walked together from the church or uh, over to the, her final resting place, and they bring it up on a lift, and the priest comes over with more incense and blah 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 blah. They slide her in, everyone kisses, and then right behind him is the mason, the moratore. And he's sitting right there with wet cement, ready to go. And as everyone just sits there and watches, he starts laying bricks. And by time the um, priest, the, as he starts the laying of the bricks, the priest starts another, another prayer. 30 seconds later, that hole is three-quarters of the way gone. And by time the priest kisses, you know, crosses himself... That's it. He's he's tidying up his his uh, his work, and it's in there. Like I never thought, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I didn't. I've never been to a funeral where we put you away and. I, t- a- I tried to tell you the last one I was at. It was like that sign, sealed, deliver. It is done. Um, and I then- just thought it was because I was at a little tiny spot down the road, and then it was like, oh well. We just got to do it. I didn't realize that was the norm. Uh, yeah, and the, the the raw brick was there, and he was touching up his... It's not like we'll wait half an hour for the family to say their respects, and then no. we'll go ahead and do it. It's like everyone waited for that to happen. Like, yeah, we want It's very... I guess it's the same as when you put the dirt on the grave as you're... Yeah, but you don't stand there and watch the, the, entire, t- thing. the entire thing. I think... But I think it's closure. It's like a real closure. And then one month from now, we'll, there'll be another service um, when they put up her. So it's just the raw brick now. And then in a month, they have another service where the the uh, piece of stone goes over the front that would have her name. Okay. It, which we'll go to as well. Mm-hmm. But um, very. It was interesting. It, like I said, it was sad, but it wasn't somber. Mm-hmm. And um, then everyone went to eat after. <laughs> so. 
That's what's going on with the a little, uh, the culture side of things. Unfortunately, because we are surrounded by and most of our friends are sixty five and up, we attend a lot of funerals. It, it seems like this year we have gone I some know. more funerals. Unfortunately, I hope that is not a trend that continues. No. Well, let's switch things up. Do you want to um, chat about something that sets you off on uh, social media? Oh my god! All right. Okay, so I posted a picture. This is something that drives me crazy. I posted a picture um, uh, from one of the cooking classes, pumpkin ravioli. And beautiful pictures, nicely done, I might say. Now, this is not just specific to these photos, but to many across many social media channels, other people's pages and things, food photos and their comments now i don't i'm not on social i don't have a facebook page i barely can write an email i'm not really into the social media however my wife is very much in deep so it makes me um check out her stuff follow like comment uh (laughs) check out her stuff a lot and i just i just look at other people's stuff and make make comments and then move on (laughs) He's a troll. Well, not comments on their pages. No, just, just comments to my wife. <laughs> and then move on and shake my head and move on. And one disturbing, a new disturbing, I guess it's not new, but a disturbing trend I've noticed recently is the use of the word by adults of yum, yummy, or yummers. All right, guys. Let's have a little talk. <laughs> the word yum or yummy should be reserved for someone under the age of 12 when eating Pop Rocks. Or when eating a big ice cream sundae. Or or when they try something. Yummy, mommy. Or Joe Rogan hysterically talks about his daughter eating a banana. Yum, 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 yum. Like, little kids, it's cute. Um, grown men, it's weird. Guys. <laughs> guys over, pu- guys in puberty or they're anywhere north of that age. Please do not use the word yummy. Yum. Yummers. This is not words that adults in general. I don't think I, I don't think adult women should use the word yummy. <laughs> I don't either. either. I just take even more offense when it's for men. I think what we have a we have a fa- uh, phrase called someone's in the yummy phase. And mm-hmm. what is the yummy? The yummy phase is an adult who likes all things yummy. So it's an adult who wakes up and cracks a Coca Cola in the morning. Uh, an adult who <laughs> loves. Um, it's generally like a child, mm-hmm. basically. And mm-hmm. those people are yummy people. And they don't eat a- anything that has any any weird textures or some kind of complex flavor. Chicken liver crostini is anything not yummy. It doesn't have a base <laughs> of sugar. Mm-hmm. It really, what the yummy phase is, is a diet based in sugar. So um, yummy things are like crappy wonder bread that's yummy um and don't get me wrong i love yum i love i love yummy things too but it's always funny to see a full-blown adult who's stuck in the yummy phase and just we're just saying as a public service announcement let's try not using that we're trying not to use so as much yeah, and things you, like that so mm-hmm. oh i just did so <laughs> let's try not to use yummy all right, yeah, folks. Tell your friends. <laughs> tell your friends and family. Scold those coworkers and um, those around you who you love who use the word yummy. There are so there are so many other um, adjectives and possibilities to use um, and adverbs. Let's let's try to diversify a little bit. Well, that's there you go. That's my rant of the day about yummy. <laughs> yummy, <laughs> yummy, oh, yummers. <gasps> yum. That, sorry, that was this morning, and there was uh, and there was like seven comments that were all yum, yummy related. <laughs> so, like, added to the podcast. Uh, I, I'm really excited to mention that for the 
How to Move to Italy and Retire series of workshops that we're hosting in 2018. We have a new um, speaker expat to add to the list uh, to help share their stories. And her name is Susan. And I'll be posting a bunch of information about um, her and her photo and what she'll be talking about on the website as well. But she is a really great, inspiring story because here is a single woman who has decided to move to Southern Italy. And so she's going to come and share the kind of trials and tribulations, the great things, the hysterics of dating and moving with a dog, what it's like and, um, and how it's, she's kind of perceived as a single woman in Italy as well, uh, being in a foreign small little town. So I think it'll be a great insight into a world that obviously we're a couple and most of the other expats with businesses that we've um, kind of highlighted in these workshops are couples as well. And I think this is um, will really speak out to a lot of the single ladies out there who are thinking about it. Mm, very good. Well, we need to wrap this bad boy up. So, so see, I'm doing it again. Um, yummy. Yummy. There's a lot going on today. Yes. And today is the first day. And um, some goals. Let's talk about real quick. Goals for the off-season of 2017-18. Well, big goals are obviously the kitchen. Um, we're working on our place and some of the uh, the wardrobe, if you will, in our place. Those are some private projects. Uh, I have to work on the website and want to add some video to the website and make it a bit more dynamic. I want to try not to get fat this off season. Mm, that's true. Yeah, my brother. <laughs> oh, but, uh, it's Fat Zach's birthday today. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Fat Zach. Happy birthday to my brother, Zach. He is 35. Yeah, I believe so. I think so. And if anyone is friends with him on Facebook or sees him on there, it's okay to write Fat Zach. Yeah, he is He is the fat brother now. Everyone's Don't let so him uh, tell you nervous to say, I didn't want to say different. that. <laughs> so my brother, my loving brother, we talked about he said congratulations yesterday we were talking congratulations um on a you know another season what are you going to do this off season i tell him oh you know we're doing this and that and that and he goes yeah you're gonna get fat though right because every off season it's hard man i'm telling you that the, the food changes and i can already feel myself thinking like oh that sounds good i should make that well it gets colder and darker you move less and there's not as much access to um, like bright colorful produce either so you end up oh that's a bunch of that's a bunch of baloney it's we change the way we eat and we move half as much well that's what i was trying to say in a nice way there's not as much access there's a whole there's tons of fruits and vegetables no stop it (sighs) all right you're right i want cinnamon we go we go from eating big bowls of vegetables and a little bit of tuna and running around all day to Let's make some. Let's make breakfast for dinner. How's some pancakes sound? Or what did you do late last night? Oh well, that's setting us up for the week. <laughs> a little piece of pancetta in the oven for us. Well, yeah. See, that's the thing. That's why I got. That's why I ordered the wood long because at least I'll have. At least I'll have to lift and and move and mm-hmm. do all that wood. Well, I'll be regretting that come January. No crap. <laughs> Just remember those words here. Seriously. In um, I think I'm going to go ahead and read some excerpts from the book as well. Do we All have right. enough time? Uh, I, I can't. I didn't see what, what word we're running. Yeah, well, we're fine. Just okay. wrap, wrap it up now, and then we'll do the book at the end. All right. Sounds good. Thank you guys so much for listening to another one of our inconsistent podcasts from Italy. You can find us at latavolamarche.com, L-A-T-A-V-O-L-A-M-A-R-C-H-E. Our 2018 calendar of cooking classes, events, and workshops is all up there. Check it out. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook for all of our winter adventures and Instagram at La Tavla Marque or Ashley Bartner.
All right, very good. Thank you so much. Stay to stay. Uh, don't hit stop yet because Ashley's going to do a little chapter from the never published, never titled, not really finished book. There we go. The continuation of the untitled, unfinished, unpublished book, Spring, Chapter Eleven. Spring in like a lion, out like a fox. The sun is now on our side, whereas in the winter it seems to be a consistent struggle with light. There is so much work to be done that we eagerly bounce out of bed and take full advantage of the longer days itching to be outside, savoring the warmth of the afternoon sun, and thankful our clothes dry much quicker on the line. We are not alone. The land and creatures feel the same. The once barren hills of the Candeliano Valley morph before our eyes to fluorescent green lush fields thanks to our wet winter. Wild yellow, yellow daffodils and crimson poppies ignite a childhood fantasy of sleeping among the flowers just like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz or some sort of hippie goddess. The bright white cherry blossoms remind us that in just a few short weeks we'll be picking big juicy fruit off our trees. Old ladies pepper the fields surrounding our farmhouse and even alongside the expressways with bulging bags of, green, of wild greens. We're curious and wonder what they're picking. Not only does springtime awaken the terra, but also the people as well. It seems that everyone is out and about. Italy is filled with, you guessed it, Italians. Though <laughs> thought of as some of the most social people on the planet, combined with the solitude of winter, everyone is as chatty as chickens. Thus the long and rated return of the passaggetta, or evening stroll. Some use it as an exercise, but really it's just an excuse to gossip over a shared cafe or prosecco. Our favorite bar is packed again with the old men of Piobico spilling out onto the sidewalk, lingering all day playing game after game of Scopa, it's a card game, as their wives watch from afar, catching up on the winter travels, swapping recipes, trying to lose that last bit of winter weight, Faruna Dieta. And did you see what she wore to church? The weekly traveling markets bring more locals out to barter on the price of artichokes, and our inn brings new faces, eager to explore this beautiful region. Spring, or primavera, which literally means the first green, brings with it not only new growth, but an excitement and energy, a rebirth of the land, and a spring in the step for just about everyone. Winter felt bleak at times, especially with the looming prospect of running out of cash. All the little fixes and supplies add up quickly. It's time to open the inn. Warmer weather and potential guests have us raring to go. Since we're finally finished scrubbing the walls until our fingers have cracked and shriveled like prunes, we can begin building a compost bin, starting a garden, and soon drain and scrub the pool. I know the saying is, march in like a lion, out like a lamb. But out here, it's more like a fox, cunning and unpredictable. The weather has been all over the place, from heavy fog to strong winds bringing Arctic air and snow. It's now wonderfully sunny, but not expected to last. It seems like no matter where you live, in Italy or the States or even Timbuktu, the weatherman can never get it right. Perhaps it's, perhaps it's because we have a small brownish-red fox living in our compost bin. We've named her Foxy. So original, I know. She's not timid and will actually fall asleep in our front yard. I'm not afraid of Foxy, but I'm definitely not going to approach her with food, just waiting to have my face ripped off. Jason, the consummate apprentice, continues to become a handyman and discovers we live in a geographical odyssey. We're two weeks from everything. Sure, the hardware store can order that part, but it's going to take, you guessed it, two weeks. 
Of course, the painters will be finished in time for our first guests, even though they have the entire house to paint floor to ceiling. But no worries, we're assured. Two weeks. <laughs> Jason carefully watches over the shoulder of every technico or technician we call, convinced that if they can do it, so can he. Three months after moving to Italy and starting a new business, we actually have our first guests at the end, at the inn, who arrive one day after the painting is finished. Fusciani threw us a bone by sending us a two-night booking for four guys in their 20s from Genova. He probably just wanted to make sure we were able to pay the rent that month. We called them the Rally Boys because they were avid rally car race fans in town for the famous Rally di San Marino. They preferred to speak to us in English, but would mistakenly, we're not sure, call Megan and I boys instead of guys, <laughs> ragazzi, bringing us to tears laughing so hard, climbing the stairs after dinner, discussing the intricacies of the northern exposure plotline with my sister eager for the next episode <laughs> the door flung open to the rally boys apartment unveiling a jovial scene of four college-age guys trying to make dinner for themselves for the first time in years and getting pissed drunk at the, s at the same time hey hey boys boys come in and drink with us Megan and I looked at each other in old jeans, baggy sweatshirts, and hair a mess. It's true, we did look more like boys than girls. We tried not to laugh, as funny as it was when they repeated the simple mistake. I think they got a kick out of the idea of going home to tell stories of drinking all night with two wild American girls. Boys, it's so nice to meet you. Take a beer or wine with us. We shared a drink, and Jason joined the party. The Rally Boys taught us how to about the races and fuel injections. In exchange, we taught them how to talk like a filthy sailor in English. My pleasure. <laughs> the next morning, we decided to see what all the hubbub was about, and were instantly hooked to the sound of horsepower. Well, the business had officially made its first euros. Spring has sprung. Before we could celebrate, Jason kept us grounded. We've still got a lot of rooms to fill between now and October if we want to be able to stay in Italy. Jason is careful to remind us money was always an issue. I was always worried Ashley was living a fairy tale world, and I live in reality where things cost more than expected. We have to plan very wisely, and having seasonal work, Jason had crazy fears of getting kicked out of Italy if we couldn't pay our rent, reminiscent of his unfortunate childhood being constantly evicted from what felt like every house they had lived in. I love it here, and I don't want to go back to America. Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentiri Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com. That's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com and find out how to submit your show.